Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, saudi korup, guten tak, jiao, weevi, vakat, bang, half a day, jai janendra, privyet, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace, how, go vegan, from the animal agriculture climate changed, drought stricken, fire-ravaged, GMO-ridden, surveillance state of California, all fracked up under chemtrail skies overlooking beautiful, fluoridated waterways where animal bodies and their secretions are still mistaken as food. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Since 2001, the very first vegan talk show in mainstream media and beyond. So we'll take credit for the vegan explosion. Now up to 6% of the U.S. population. So, yeah, happened during our watch. (laughs) We started this program back in 2001. And today, our very first show of the new year and the new decade Happy New Year and Happy New Decade, Um, or at least as happy as can be, considering um, the wacky world in which we live, flare-ups everywhere, a new flare-up in the Middle East, and uh, a huge flare-up in Australia. Um, So the guy we killed in the Middle East, or um, the U.S. uh, Gov. Enronment killed, Um, So the Democrats are saying it was racist to kill him because his name was Soul Man. So I guess it's got to be racist if you kill someone named Soul Man or whatever the pronunciation is. Uh, It reads like Soul Man, doesn't it? So uh, uh, apologies to Sam and Dave who did the original song. I'm uh, Soleimani. Um, So anyway, the death of this guy in Iran or uh, Iraq, you know, one one of those countries Americans can't find on a map or pronounce correctly, um, Soleimani's death uh, triggered protests uh, in the region, and it has been reported that uh, crowds were chanting, Death to America! Death to America! Well, actually, I have a friend who speaks Farsi, and he said a more precise uh, interpretation would be, Americans, keep eating what you're eating. Keep eating what you're eating, Americans. And, uh, you know, with their, their weaponry no match for ours, the only weapon of mass destruction at their disposal is that very chant. Um, and while... Uh, General Soulman is reported uh, to be implicated in the death of 600 Americans. That's really small potatoes compared to the true axes of evil. McDevils and Murder King and Kills Jr. and Wendy's and Jack the Ripper in a box and uh, Kill Fried Chicken. Um, so what is what is their product? All, all of their, all of them. What is their product? Um, you know what? Uh, what do they all serve? Death to America. So, uh, what's on the menu of all of these slashed food restaurants? Death, <laughs> death 
That's right. Death sandwiches, death salads, death toppings, death to America. And you are what you eat. <laughs> death to So this death to America sure does lead to a lot of dead Americans. Millions, millions of Americans dead from heart disease and cancer and stroke, diabetes. Yeah, all these uh, diseases that befall the Death Eater. Uh, General Soul Man kills 600, and he's a terrorist that's got to go. And Ronald McDonald kills millions, and you got to go to uh, his restaurant for a happy meal of death. Um, if, uh, if we were to see clearly, and it is 2020 after all, right? Shouldn't we have... 2020 vision um i don't know we we would yeah we we'd be we'd be building a wall yeah right we'd be building a wall we'd be building actually we'd be building walls all around every slash food restaurant every every restaurant that serves death to america and and every slaughterhouse that's killing the ingredients of our uh death to america diet now there, there need to be walls around them, right? I would say drone strikes. Well, but of course, if you know, no animals were there, no people were there. And I'm just saying that figuratively, of course, being nonviolent, just imaginary drone strikes, imaginary. Well, doesn't have to be imaginary walls or you can imagine the wall there and not go in right into those places. So, um, I mean, really, look around you. I mean, death everywhere. And it's also normal, eating death, right? Everyone's eating death. Everyone's a walking graveyard on the way to the graveyard. Uh, I don't know. So no wonder they're chanting, death to America, death to America. I mean, Americans keep eating what you're eating. Americans keep eating what you're eating. And... Uh, you know, if if we listen, General Soulman's work will continue. Viva Soulman! Huh? So, <laughs> well, you will want to hear our guest on today's program. A must listen. A former Death Eater who uh, cheated death. Uh, nutrition science founder John Tanner will be with us, and I. I assure you, this will be one of the most interesting discussions on diet and health ever that you will ever, ever experience. And you could wind up getting a free book from us, one of the great uh, health books or documentaries of our modern era. So stay with us for his very revealing research. Very important uh, that you keep listening, okay? So... And uh, you may, you'll, may pick up a book if you wind up visiting his very wonderful website, uh, which is newsci.org, N-U-S-C-I.org, which will prove to be a very valuable health resource for you. So uh, we have John coming up on today's program. And uh, so I think more Americans could find Australia on a map, right, than... Iraq or Iran, um, or you know, it being the 
island nation that it is. Um, or just look for the smoke. Just look for the smoke. Um, Australia is burning to a crisp, like death on a Barbie. Um, uh, and uh, in this, it's hottest and driest year on record. Doesn't that sound like proof of climate change when the climate does something it has never done previously? That sounds like change, doesn't it? Like climate change. Uh, Australia is burning in its hottest and driest year on record. And uh, globally, the last five years have been the hottest on record. That seems to be an indication of climate change. It's never been that hot previously, so that seems like a change, right? And uh, so, anyway, um, so uh, that is change. That that is climate change. Definitely proof of it. And um, in fact, there Australia just had record high temperatures. Sydney just had its hottest day ever. And so did the capital city of Australia. What is it? Do you know? My my American friends may have to call call a friend, huh? So uh, yeah, the capital city of Australia also record breaking temperatures. No, the capital isn't Iran. It's not Iraq. It's Canberra. Um, and. Uh, so it, it's been reported that the fires started in various ways, from lightning strikes to human actions, including arson. Um, and 17.9 million acres have burned since September. Now that's more than eight times the area of California that burned in 2018, which was our worst fire season here ever, some of which I inhaled. <clears throat> Um, and it's estimated that the fires have killed a billion animals in Australia. The Australian ecosystem devastated. There are over 200 animal species exclusive to Australia. And so who knows what will be happening to them uh, in our meat, dairy, fish, and egg paved road to uh extinction. So more than 10,000 protesters gathered in Town Hall Square in Sydney, not uh, to bask uh, in the highest record-setting temperatures ever, but uh, and, oh, and in fact, there were, there were uh, protests all around the world. The Australian fire, uh, fires have ignited uh, demonstrations all over the world with people Demanding government action. And, you know, if you've been listening to this show any length of time, I don't know what to say. I, um, this is so frustrating to me. This is so frustrating to me that I'm ready to start using the F word on my show. The F word, I you know, I'm I'm, I'm an old school broadcaster. I, I started in radio in 1976, commercial radio. 
Prior to that, I was on the Queens College radio station at the City University of New York. And um, I tell you, the F word is something we we just wouldn't touch, you know. I mean, we were worried. We would worry about the FCC, and uh, we would worry. So the but you know the F word and the S word were strictly prohibited, even though you hear them constantly on podcasts, or maybe you hear them constantly coming out of my mouth, but not when I'm recording. So I mean, those words were prohibited we would we we feared a massive fine from the fcc um or feared even losing our license if the f word were uttered on air so i mean i just the fact that i'm tempted to be using the f word but it it is an intensifier you know i mean it's you know to what can i say it is an intensifier and uh, and it's only a word, right? Should I, here, let me, let me look at dictionary.com. It, uh, it calls uh, the F word, it calls the F word one of the most versatile words in the English language. Well, how do you like that? Um, it says, it first, it first appeared uh, in a dictionary in 1598 and said to be derived from Latin and Old German, meaning to strike or penetrate. And it first appeared in writing um, in the 1500s in a Cicero manuscript. So, okay, so they're, you know, trying to get over the fear of using the word here. So, I'm, you know, and it, it, it first appeared, uh, as I said, in a Cicero, Cicero writing in the 1500s. Then it, it came to be regarded as vulgar in the 1700s um and was banned from the oxford english dictionary so um but i am so i mean this is situation this climate change situation is driving me f-wording crazy like uh you know if you're a climate protester and you're not vegan st f-word up st F word U, STF, and uh, start learning about the F wording climate change solution, you know, and get getting everybody else to to know about it too. I mean, come on, W T F word, you know, uh, and uh, I mean, I'm actually seeing uh, benefit benefit barbecues. I'm seeing effing benefit barbecues for for fire victims in australia f word f word f word f word um and you know something you are not going to get an f wording solution from f wording government from f wording politicians from f wording corporations and f wording environmental groups the only F-wording solution is going vegan. Is this getting old yet? I don't know. Let me see how, how long I can milk this milk this bit here. Um, so, you know, go, go protest where it will do the most good, you know? Some, uh, you know, against all your F-wording friends who uh, aren't vegan. Huh? So... 
I mean, F-wording, animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change, okay? So, I don't know what to tell you. When you're out there yelling about climate change with uh, your, your F-wording meat breath or your F-wording dairy breath or your F-wording fish breath or your F-wording egg breath, you better be yelling at an F-wording mirror, you know? You and your... F-wording anti-climate change politicians going on TV eating F-wording cow's milk ice cream. Ah, you know, F-word, 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 F-word. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get it out of my system. As I said, I started in radio in 1977, fearing ever saying the F-word. Now, <laughs> I'm just getting it out of my system, okay? So, so I mean, you don't need an F-wording Green New Deal. No, what you need is an F-wording Green New Meal. And that meal needs to be vegan. Three times a day, 365, 24-7, 365. You know, a Green New Meal. Not, not a bloody, not bloody red. So... Anyway, if you're not F-wording vegan, you're not F-wording serious about climate change. You know, you're, I don't know, you're complaining about F-wording fossil fuels and, you know, you really need to be uh, looking at the F-wording fossil foods on your plate. I mean, this is F-wording serious, you know, and this is F-wording serious as mass extinction. A billion F-wording animals are dead in Australia. That's horrible. That's heartbreaking. But is anybody crying about the three billion animals killed every day around the world for food? 200 million land animals killed every day. So, through 200 million land animals killed every day, over 72 billion land animals killed for food annually around the world, then add in all the aquatic life, all the fish, and we're up to three billion animals killed every day. Every day, three times the number of animals that have been killed in Australia right now. Sentient media reports that between 37 and 120 billion fish are killed on commercial farms annually, and another 2.7 trillion are caught and killed. So n no tears for the trillions, huh? No, no tears for the trillions um, who uh, may not be as cute as kangaroos or koalas, right? You know, but they're living beings. We have 9 billion chickens killed in the U.S. every, every year. And oh, come on, aren't those little baby chicks as cute as a koala, huh? But those wings sure taste good, right? Got to have those wings. So, so the, really, if you come right down to it, there is no difference between a climate change denier and a climate change solution denier. They are both taking us to hell in a bloody handbasket. You know, those F-wording corrupt environmental groups are no better. So... You should see the movie Cowspiracy. Cowspiracy. Check that out. 
You're not seeing things clearly. You're being misled. You're being misguided by Fibbin Bill McKibben and 350.org and the Sierra Club, a wash in meat industry donations. And Greenpeace, all guilty, all taking us on the road to extinction. You're not seeing things clearly. You need, you need to change your eyesight in 2020. You need, you need 2020 vision. You need 2020 vegan vision. So what can we do? I mean, if you are somebody who really cares about the environment, what can we do to get all these climate protesters to see things clearly? I mean, please do not expect anything from government, politicians, corporations, environmental groups, climate summits, accords, whatever. I mean, it's all just like rearranging the, the lounge chairs on the Titanic. Speaking of uh, the Titanic, Leonardo DiCaprio, do you listen to this show? Do you? Can somebody send him a link to this show? Leonardo just donated $3 million to Australia for the fires, including uh, to uh, Wires, Wires Wildlife Rescue, W-I-R-E-S, which seems to be a group that's helping the animals in Australia. Leonardo, if you're listening, I need your help to, to reach people with the truth about climate change. You know, I mean, we're, we're, oh, 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 we're sinking. We're sinking. We're all sinking. If we're not burning, we're sinking. And that's wires.org.au. W-I-R-E-S dot org dot A-U. You know what we need? We, we, we do need a uh, climate crisis live aid concert. You know, with the music to attract the world. And to, to educate. To educate, you know. All right, so anyway, if you want to try to help the animals in Australia, that's wires. If you want to try to help the animals everywhere in the world, that's going vegan. So, um, and as I said, animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change and climate crisis, responsible for at least 51% of all human-generated greenhouse gas emissions. And that's according to the climate advisors to the World Bank, the world's top climate specialists, Dr. Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang, in their assessment called Livestock and Climate Change. Check it out for yourself. And when you do the math, you look at if animal agriculture, if your appetite for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs is responsible for at least 51% of greenhouse gas emissions, that means add up everything else. Add up whatever you want to add. You know, add, you know, the car emissions, you know, whatever. It, it, whatever the total is doesn't add up to animal agriculture because 51%, we'll do the math, okay? So, anyway... And we're a planet of 7 billion humans heading for 9 billion. And we can't go on eating like this. Uh, I mean, we, we, we actually do need a second planet just dedicated to animal agriculture if, if, if we're going to, you know, continue to be a carnivorous herbivore. Uh, we would need a, a second planet 
just dedicated to animal agriculture, the way this planet is, you know, with 75% of all our farmland on this planet dedicated to animal agriculture. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, and as you can see, this planet, as I said, it's either underwater or under fire. We're losing us Australia right now, um, the island nation. Island nations around the world have to worry about rising oceans. So, you know, and then it's like, I mean, how how can we ever replace an Australia, right? How can, how can we do that? Well, I'll tell you how. We can create a landmass the size of Australia... Well, not just Australia, but the size of Australia plus the U.S., plus the EU, plus China. Now, that, that's how much landmass would be freed for reforestation and species recovery if we all go vegan. Do you F-wording hear me? We can reduce the amount of farmland around the world by 75% and still feed the human population, and we would free land the size of Australia, the U.S., the EU, China, and China, um, just for uh, combined, all of them combined, for reforestation and species recovery. Or the equivalent of the freeing the land the size of Africa. Um, but each of us has to do our part. We all have to go vegan. You, you have to be the one seven billionth of the solution. Only going vegan matters. Everything else is a distraction. Who cares how many miles per gallon? You want an energy alternative infrastructure? Okay, that'll take 20 years and $30 trillion. Good luck. Good luck. So, but if you go vegan, it, it's like voting, okay? You, you, you want to vote for climate change to continue? Keep eating what you're eating. You want to vote against climate change to help save the world? Go vegan. You don't believe that climate change is happening? then go vegan and you'll be voting against deforestation, resource depletion, water shortage, desertification, eutrophication, pollution, um, habitat destruction, and mass extinction, all solved only by going vegan. Wow, holy cow, that, meat, that, that eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, whoo! pretty destructive don't you think huh and uh you know i'm not making this up just because because i love animals and i want to save the billions and trillions uh in your stomach there um i base what i'm saying on the research i'm basing it on a five-year oxford university study that was conducted by joseph poor joseph p-o-o-r-e and uh Google Joseph Poor Guardian Meat, let's say, and you can read the article, um, the article in the Guardian. There are lots of articles about 
uh, this research that you've never seen. Um, and uh, so you can you can go to uh, josephpoor.com, Joseph P O O R E dot com, uh, or you can go to Go Vegan Radio and listen to the interview that I did with Joseph Poor. GoVeganRadio.com and you can hear the archived interview with Joseph there. And please, while you're there, uh, make a tax-deductible donation to help us educate the world about the only solution for climate change. Again, we are only one of, we are one of the only sources for exposing this very well-hidden science-backed solution. So here we are taking it upon ourselves and we want to do more. We want to reach everybody with this. So um, please donate at GoVeganRadio.com. We are very much dedicated to the solution. Everybody's concerned about climate crisis. We have the solution. And the solution is not protesting against uh, unbuilt pipelines or there's only one solution and it's time. It's time we get real. I know a lot of people don't want to hear the truth because, you know, it's like they're addicted to bacon or whatever. But uh, if we're serious, if you're serious about climate change, you have to go vegan you have to help everybody else go vegan. So here we are, this little radio program, podcast, whatever we are, uh, with the humble mission to save the world from climate change. Now, what can we do for your health? Well, I would say stay tuned for a mind-blowing discussion with cardiac arrest survivor John Tanner. This will be one of the most important discussions on nutrition and health that you will ever hear. I promise you that. And also, you may come away with a free book, one of the uh, eight great books or documentaries of the modern era about health. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden on Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and our website, goveganradio.com. Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, Facebook, GoVeganRadio with Bob Linden. And uh, you can support our planet-saving work with a tax-deductible donation. You can hit Donate at GoVeganRadio.com. Yes, we are here to save the planet. Nobody else is talking about the solution for climate change and every other environmental disaster being going vegan so it's left up to us so send send me your money so we can spread the word uh so that we can save the planet and well our mission is also to save uh individual humans too so we'll continue with that mission right now by talking to 
John Tanner, PhD, the CEO of a small software and research firm in Southern California. He's the founder of Little Green Forks, which is a vegan delivery service in Southern California, and also the creator of the Nutrition Science Foundation. And I have to say, really, one of the super fantastic uh, uh, health resources related to uh, nutrition and health. Uh, that's you should look at nusci.org, uh, n-u-s-c-i.org, um, and you'll see that John takes going vegan as serious as a heart attack. Um, and I wonder why. Uh, welcome, John. How are you today? Great. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Thanks. Thanks for being here. So, um, you know, I. I look at uh, your wonderful resource, and I have to encourage people to visit it, uh, newside.org, um, and I see there is a tab there that says, I almost died. Absolutely, and that's what I want to start with talking about today. Please do, yes. A little bit of background first. As you said, I was, I'm running a technology company, and I thought I was healthy this is, say, 2004 time frame. Um, my wife uh, turns to me and says, John, do you know that you have the body of a god? And we'd been married 20 years at that point, and she'd never said anything remotely like that to me. So I said, really? I have the body of a god? And she says, yes, unfortunately, the god is Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> And and I had I had to admit that my gut uh, kind of looked a lot like a Buddha belly, and you know that was my wake up call to you know I got to do something about this. So I started exercising uh, about thirty minutes a day. I would run a mile. Um, I dropped thirty pounds in weight, uh, but I, and my glucose went down from one hundred eleven to one hundred four. My cholesterol went down from two thirty eight to one eighty eight. LDL down one forty seven to one thirteen. Just with exercise, and I thought I was getting healthy, and I had no warnings from my doctor. And then October two thousand nine, I would in the middle of my morning one mile run. And I staggered a couple of steps and hit the ground unconscious with my heart stopped. This is how much warning you have of cardiac arrest. There's so, no. So you were you were running along, and then what? Like, what did you feel? Like, what were the sensations? What what came over you? To tell you the truth, I don't remember anything about that day due to the lack of oxygen to the brain uh, as I my heart came to a stop. All I know is from uh, the people around me that day, I sort of tracked them all down, including a lady who saw me running normally and then all of a sudden keeled over and, you know, she ran over and her husband ran over and started giving me chest compressions and the, they called the 911 and the fireman came and hooked up the machine to me that shocked me, and got a little bit of life back in me. Um, but yeah, I... I don't I'm quite sure that if I would have been feeling bad, I wouldn't continue to run. So I think it just uh, you know struck me with without warning. You don't remember chest pain or anything or anything? No, nothing like that. Mm. and And from what I've since then come to understand about 
cardiac arrest is the cholesterol deposits build up and then they uh, bulge out into the artery and tear sort of like a little pimple on the inside of the wall and eventually they tear loose and the blob of cholesterol goes into the bloodstream causing the blood to clot and in a very short time number of seconds that blood vessel is blocked and if that happens to be in your heart you have cardiac arrest if that blood vessel is one feeding the brain you have a stroke and Elsewhere in your body, you have other kinds of problems. But there's no nerve endings on the insides of your arteries, so you can't feel this problem. And um, it, you, since it's on the inside, you can't see from the outside. If you have the type of blockage that happens slowly, like the long-term calcified plaques, they typically aren't the ones that kill people, but they do come on slowly, and then you have chest pain and fatigue and things like that. But the, the soft plaques that burst are the most common, and, and you, there's really very little warning that that's going to happen. So uh, I went from thinking I was healthy to dead on the street to uh, fortunately I recovered. And as, you know, as I started to learn some things about heart disease, uh, I found that it's the leading killer in this country. Most people know that. Uh, that this applies to both men and women. It's sometimes thought of as a man's disease, but doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It's the disease most likely to kill you in this country. And as, as I said, the cardiac arrest is a most common form. You can have a heart attack where your heart doesn't stop completely. You can have angina or angina, the chest pain. But of those three manifestations of heart disease, cardiac arrest is the most common and cardiac arrest is that the same as a heart attack or am i or is it not exactly it's a form of heart attack but it's one where the heart stops completely you can have a heart attack where your heart is laboring and it hurts and it's be beating irregularly but it's still beating but cardiac arrest is where it just stops and and you and had cardiac arrest your heart stopped i did and if that happens to you outside of the hospital in this country, the average survival rate is about 3%, super low survival rate. And what that means is the leading cause of death is heart disease, the most common form of sudden cardiac arrest, and the really low survival rate. So people are dropping dead all over the place. So and you are lucky to be alive and lucky to be here right now then, considering the percentages, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Every day is a gift. It is. And that's part of why I, I'm driven to share what I've learned, because most people don't have a chance to learn because they're, they're dead. As, as the doctors say this in medical terms, often the, mo the first presentation of heart disease is death. So it, you, this isn't something you can kind of wait to see if you've got it and and then do something about it because usually by the time you know you have heart disease you're you're gone my father died of a heart attack at age 47 um i was 13 at the time and um that he he made it to the hospital uh, and then a week later he had a, a second heart attack that killed him so mm -hmm. that was age 47 so, I, you, you know, what that does to you as a child, I, I thought, wow, am I going to make it to 47? Like that was a, when I made it to 47, it was like, 
can I make it past 47, you know? And because <laughs> there was heart disease in, in the family, his, all his brothers and sisters had heart disease, you know? So I figured, well, it's, it's in the genes, but maybe it's not in the genes, maybe it's on the plate, maybe it's not in the genes, right? It really is on the plate, and it, the disease runs in families, but this isn't surprising given that it's the leading killer of all Americans, that, that families have multiple occurrences of it. it, it you statistically expect that, but even more, it, it is related to food, and we're going to talk about that a lot today, but uh, eating patterns run in families as well, and that's what uh, right, really pattern, why heart... Right. It was everybody was eating the same thing and getting heart disease, so it was like, you think it's in your genes, but it's, but it's on your plate, you know, so, um, so you were in a very fortunate position. People around you reacted um, quickly. Right? It, it's amazing. It, it brings tears to my eyes when I think about these complete strangers uh, along my running route that saw me and came out saw my heart wasn't beating and immediately started giving chest compressions while somebody else was dialing 911. It's just, they're, I, these people, I never knew them before, but they're my best friends now. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So what, you, you woke up in the hospital? That's when you were next conscious? I, I did. Uh, I was, and I was only in the hospital for five days, which is pretty amazing, I think. From, But uh, the first few days were a little dicey. I would be lying there and I'd wake up and I'd see my wife and I'd say, where am I? What happened? And she'd say, well, you're in the hospital. You had a heart attack. And I'd go, oh, and I'd drift off. And a few minutes later, I'd wake up again and say, where am I? What happened? Mm. You know, I, I had no short-term memory because of the lack of oxygen to the brain. They were not sure that I was going to come back. Mm. And it turns out that of the 3% who survived cardiac arrest, most of them have residual brain damage or heart muscle damage or both. And I was extremely lucky in that regard. Um, seemed to be okay on the mental side, although uh, when I forget my anniversary, I say, honey, it was the heart attack, really. <laughs> well, you have, you have a bit of an excuse there built in. So. <laughs> It's a great excuse. Yeah. So, but, so uh, were they, you surprised? They, like they, you said, well, I had a heart attack, or like, what? What's your reaction to, you know, people telling you you had a heart attack? You know, exactly. Why did this happen? I thought I was healthy. So, you know, after the uh, the the test that they ran to see if I was permanently damaged, the doctor said, you know, you can go. Your your heart muscle wasn't damaged. Yay! You can go back to your life the way it was. And he he meant this in a very comforting way. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, my life the way it was, if that includes the heart attack, you know, I don't, I don't want to go back there. And so this caused me to ask a whole bunch of questions. You know, was, was there anything in my life that I could, could help uh, prevent another heart attack? And what really causes heart disease? And can it be prevented or reversed? And those questions really have consumed me for the last 10 years. And uh, that's uh, some of the data that I want to share with with you that comes from the research. The researchers really understand heart disease, but this uh, their knowledge doesn't flow very well into the, the, the general public, and I'm trying to do what I can to help. Mm -hmm. So, so w where did you first look, and what did you see? What? Well, my doctors, my cardiologists were not particularly helpful. They said things like, man, it's this leading killer, you know, what do you expect? Uh, but a friend of mine uh, said, 
you really need to uh, look at this uh, the writings by a doctor by the name of Caldwell Esselstyn. Uh-huh. And, who has been a guest and, on this program. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Amazing guy. And uh, so I found my way to his book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, and then later uh, some of his published papers that are, you know, it's harder to read the, the medical research, but um, uh, his later work is actually more uh, astounding, and it's what I uh, quote uh, statistically. But the book, which is now quite a few years old, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, I really recommend to anybody who is concerned about heart disease, uh, has had a heart attack and managed to survive it and doesn't want another one or has a family member that has heart disease, they really should read this book. It's yeah, uh, prevent, prevent and reverse heart disease. And I, I referred somebody a few years back uh, when my show was being carried by KCAA in Southern California, the owner of that station um, said, you know, I called him one day and I said, hey, Fred, how are you doing? And he said, well, you don't know this about me, Bob, but I'm pretty much on my deathbed. I'm close to 400 pounds. Uh, the cardiologists say that there's nothing they can do for me. And, you know, I, I just don't know what to do. I think you know, I'm, I'm sure to be dead very soon. So I said, Fred, you know, I'm just going to refer you to Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, his works, um, and, you know, just check it out because, I, you know, that, well, that's what I tell everybody. Who, anybody who has a problem, I say go vegan. But, you know, specifically, I referred him to Dr. Esselstyn. And Fred started losing weight and uh, was walking and exercising and is still alive today, years later, years later. So, I mean, it, it worked for Fred, and uh, apparently it works, right? So. It sure does. You know, here are a few key things from that book that really stuck with me, and I try to share... Uh, Esselstyn says, you really should know your cholesterol levels, both your total and LDL. Those are the key key numbers. And your total cholesterol should be below 150 milligrams per deciliter, and your LDL should be below 80. And some doctors are aware that these are the safe numbers, but many are not. So you really need to not count on your doctor for interpretation of those numbers. You should compare them yourself. Uh, and and sorry to say, the vast Americans are above those numbers, above 150 total and above 80 LDL. So it's not surprising that it's the leading cause of death. But Esselstyn goes on to say, you can fix this problem yourself, but doctors cannot fix it. This is, this is a doctor saying, saying doctors cannot fix heart disease. Mm. And this is either scary or empowering. <laughs> If you're the type of person who wants to do it, do whatever you want to do, and then when something goes bad, you go to the doctor and they'll give you a pill to fix it, this is scary because the doctors cannot do this. But if you're the type of person who wants to control your own life and decide for yourself whether you're going to be healthy or sick and decide for yourself whether you're going to live a long time or cut your life short, this is awesome because you can fix the problem yourself. Mm, yeah. I mean, Dr. Esselstyn on this show said, Nobody has to have heart disease. You know, it's, it's quite, quite amazing. It's the number one killer, and he's saying nobody has to have heart disease. Exactly right. Well, let me share with you now, since we're talking numbers, you threw out the, the, the big zero there. 
Um, as, as over the years, I, as I read these uh, research uh, reports in the medical journals, I ran across a number of different ones that were very interesting to me, and I eventually sort of gathered them together and uh, sorted them and you know put put them in sort of a meaningful presentation. But let me share with you uh, results from five different studies. And, and uh, I, I can state them in a way that allows us to kind of compare. And, and each a good study always has a control group. And this is really important uh, to, to state that you know, you're going to have a certain survival rate is kind of meaningless for a, a treatment unless you also say, well, what's the survival rate if you didn't have that treatment? So all, all these studies I'm going to mention have control group, and that'll allows us to uh, apply some meaning to them and also to compare them to one another. So the first study I want to talk about comes from Duke University, where for years they would have heart patients coming into their medical center, and they would be candidates for stents. Now, a stent is a small metal mesh tube that in its compressed form is inserted through a plastic tube from either the patient's leg or their arm and slid into a position in the artery of the heart and then expanded with a balloon, mashing this uh, metal mesh tube into the inner walls of the, of the artery and sort of pushing the debris out of the way and opening up the blood flow. And it's an amazing technology, and you would think that it was really uh, going to have a great beneficial impact, but Duke University, they had these patients coming in, they were candidates for stents, and they would, as the patients came in, they would decide half of them would get stents and half of them wouldn't, and then they'd track these both groups of patients for years afterwards to see how many died, and they eventually, in 2004, they published a paper that had the two death rates in it, and the group that had the stents, you would hope that the death rate would be a lot lower, and it turns out it's about 3% lower. In other words, 97% of the people that would die without stents still die. And it's like, wow, this is a spectacularly ineffective treatment. And and by the way, this um, uh, patients that were both getting a stent in an emergency basis, like they're in the middle of a heart attack, and also patients who are getting a stent, not on an emergency basis, but you know their doctor was warning them that they had some problems and maybe they should have it addressed by putting a stent in. There have been more recent studies where they look at putting a stent in uh, in a non-emergency basis only, and in that case, the death rate actually goes up versus not putting a stent in at all. Wow. So, the, so the cardiologists that have read this research Research would never put in a stent in a non-emergency basis, but a lot of cardiologists have not read this research, and they continue to do procedures on patients that actually decrease their chances of survival. It's astonishing. So the stent, the stent is not life-saving at all. It practically makes no difference. Exactly, and it's, it sets you up for later problems. They don't tell you this, but 20 to 40 percent of the stents fail. And and when and they fail because they do damage to the insides of the artery, and the artery wall scars over. And for a while, that scarring is good because it isolates the the 
metal mesh from the blood flowing through the artery, and that's a good thing. But uh, in a significant number of percentage of the cases, the scarring continues until it closes off the blood vessel. Now, this is, is a similar result from the original problem, which it was we'll find out shortly is caused by what we eat. But, uh, you know, you can fix your diet so that it's no longer damaging the insides of your arteries. But when you have one of these metal mesh tubes jammed into the inside wall of your artery, they can never be removed. There's no amount of diet that can fix that. And if your body responds to that by scarring over and closing up that blood vessel, no, nothing you can do can help that. And what do they do? They take you in and put in another stent inside the first one. Or maybe do, do bypass surgery, something even worse. So, but let's let's move away from stents and talk about drugs. It sounds like we should move away from stents. <laughs> <laughs> exactly quickly, right. Quickly, quickly. Yeah. 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 So, uh, probably many people have heard of statin drugs. Maybe that's the sort of the generic category name. The trade names are Lipitor, Zocor, Crestor. There's uh, generic names as well: Simvastatin, Atorvastatin. Um, but those are the, the first line of defense that uh, when a doctor determines that you have high cholesterol, they'll say, really, you should be, be on these drugs. And so uh, the next study that I, I want to mention, they did a controlled study where they took a whole bunch of people with elevated cholesterol blood tests, and they gave statin drugs to half of them, and the other half didn't. And over a period of time, they would measure the cholesterol blood tests again, and they found that the ones who didn't uh, get the drugs stayed pretty much the same uh, cholesterol levels. If they were eating poorly, maybe they went up a little bit. And they found that the group that got the statin drugs, their blood tests went down uh, into a target range about 85% of the time. And it's like, wow, this is a drug that really works. The problem is it's, a, it's effective at lowering the blood test measurement. The blood test measurement is only of interest in that it's an indicator of how likely you are to die of heart disease. And uh, w when you look at the actual death rate, which is now another study, this one uh, was published in June of 2010, and, and it uh, combined, it was a meta-study, it combined data from a bunch of other studies, it totaled 65,000 patients, all of which uh, had high cholesterol, were heart uh, disease sufferers, and they gave up half of them the statin drugs, and half of them didn't get the statin drugs. In this case, they, instead of tracking the blood test measurement, they tracked actual deaths. And what they found was was that uh, the death rate for the group that got the drugs was about 91% of the death rate of those who didn't. In other words, 91% of the people that would have died still die on statin drugs. Now, it's, that's can't say that there's no benefit, although the author of that study said that within the error bound of the study, you can conclude... You can't conclude that there's any benefit from statin drugs. That was the author of this study. But I'll say let's go with the mathematical most likely, which is 9% down. 
And um, you you may remember a couple of years ago, one of the big medical uh, the doctor lobby groups uh, went public with their recommendation to dramatically increase the amount of statin drugs that we would be prescribed nationwide. And you'd go, why is something that has such a low effectiveness, why do we want to dramatically increase the usage? And the answer is a small percentage of a really large number is still pretty large. In this country, about 500,000 or so, half a million Americans die every year of heart disease. And if you can knock off 9% of that, that's 45,000 people. Let's do that. By all means, let's prescribe statins to everybody. The problem is these statin drugs have uh, some pretty bad side effects. The biggest one being liver damage. Now, why is that? It turns out that uh, the cholesterol in your blood comes from two sources. One is your liver, which produces it naturally. There's supposed to be a small amount of cholesterol in your blood, and it's important because cells throughout the body use it to create new cell walls. So you need some cholesterol, and your liver knows just the right amount to produce in the right type. The other source of cholesterol in your bloodstream comes from animal products. As you well know, you know no plant products whatsoever have cholesterol in them. When you're measuring the cholesterol in the blood, it's the sum of these two sources, that produced by your liver that's supposed to be there and that produced by or that came from eating animal products that really would be better if it wasn't there. And uh, the, uh, so that's the, the source of the, of the uh, cholesterol. And they have found... And it's good to remind people again just what you said, that no, uh, no vegan products or no, no uh, you know... Cholesterol only comes from animal products, basically. Exactly right. Yeah. And so they they found that the blood test, in general, is a good indicator of how likely you are of heart to die of heart disease because if you eat lots of animal products, that number goes up. But then they give these patients drugs that decrease the amount of cholesterol produced by their liver because these statin drugs are basically liver poisons. They are liver toxins. They're specially designed to interfere with the natural functioning of your liver to produce less natural cholesterol. So the blood test measurement goes down, but you've inhibited the natural cholesterol and you've done nothing about the cholesterol that came into your bloodstream from the animal products. So it's not very much of a surprise that you're... uh, the death rate doesn't go down very much, um, and and there are other sides. It's almost like a numbers game. What you're saying there. I mean, it's not you know showing reality. It's showing like playing with with numbers. Like uh, okay, yeah, it went down, but that that's pretty amazing. What you're saying about the liver. I who who has heard this? I don't I don't hear that as the the side effect when they're advertising the. Uh, statin drugs on TV. That, you know, <laughs> yeah, they don't say much, they don't say much about that. You know, when I was taking statin drugs, and I did for a year after my cardiac arrest until I had done enough research to know how terrible these things are. But uh, during that time, I looked at the fine print that came with the drug, and it said something like, "If you take this medication for any length of time, you should get a standard." liver test and if that liver test shows liver damage you should discontinue the use of this medication now if you are taking statin drugs and read the fine print you won't find that 
Why? Did they find that statin drugs don't cause liver damage? No. What they found was the liver damage caused by the statin drugs can't be picked up by the standard liver test, which was designed to pick up a different type of liver damage. Wow. So I, I have a friend who take statin drugs and his doctor tells him, you know, take a liver test every year. And if, if that shows you're okay, then just keep taking the statin drugs. Yikes. And, and that liver test doesn't work. And the thing is though, I mean, what you're saying is that people are thinking they're making progress. Their cholesterol numbers are going down, but that's because their, their liver has been compromised. Exactly right. And here, here's the analogy that I like. You know, if you're driving your car and the check engine light comes on, you know that this red light streaming into the passenger compartment isn't the problem. It's an indicator that there's a problem deep inside your engine. But you know it's serious, and so you need to do something about it. So you take your car to the mechanic, and it comes back the next day, and the red light is off. And you say, hey, the mechanic fixed the problem. But if later... You you looked under the dashboard and you located the wires going to that red light and you saw that they had been cut, you, you would be pretty, you'd be pretty mad. You'd conclude that the, the mechanic, in fact, didn't fix the engine problem. He just disabled the indicator. And boy, would you be steamed. Well, you know, that's, but that's it, lo it looks like all the indicators are off here, too. That's the, you know, you can't get a liver test. Yeah, because right. It doesn't measure the right. I mean, wow, this is pretty eye-opening you know what you're saying here today and i i should say oh we're talking to john tanner um and uh wow pretty amazing research that he's done um on nutrition and health and uh well, an amazing resource by the way is his uh, website from his uh, nutrition science foundation which is nusci.org n-u-s-c-i.org and i'm I'm learning a lot today here uh, from you, John, and, you, you know, I'm, John was motivated to look into all this health information because he had uh, cardiac arrest and, and almost died, and, you know, coming back and saying, like, what, uh, what should I be doing differently? And, wow, this is some amazing research into the, the statins and the stents so far, John. Well, here's a couple of other problems with the statin drugs. There's muscle soreness involved, and this varies significantly from person to person, but many people can't continue on with their statins because their muscles hurt, and, uh, but others, it's okay. But you know, this is a, not a surprise given you're taking this, this nasty medication. But the, in my mind, the worst side effect of statins is many people have cognitive impairment. They have short-term memory loss, uh, tr difficulties concentrating, a, a set of problems that look very similar to Alzheimer's. And, and as you probably know, Alzheimer's is not reversible by any treatment that we know of today. But they're finding that patients who are ex expressing symptoms that are sort of tentatively uh, thought to be Alzheimer's, and you can't do a definitive Alzheimer's diagnosis until death when they do an autopsy and look at the brain, brain tissue. But if somebody's having these set of cognitive symptoms, they think it's probably Alzheimer's. But they're finding if these people are taking statin drugs and they get them off the statin drugs, their mental problems get better, which means that it wasn't Alzheimer's at all. It was a result of taking these medications. Mm. Wow. 
And you know, and I, I, I bet... I've heard in the past of, of, of an Alzheimer's uh, mad cow disease connection or a Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which is a brain deteriorating uh, situation with uh, prions and proteins and all. But uh, what you're saying now is very interesting too. That uh, the the statin drugs might uh, might lead people to think uh, they have Alzheimer's when it's the statins again. Right. Now, Bob, you seem to me to be a really smart guy, and I bet a lot of your listeners are really intelligent. And you, you maybe you guys can spare a few brain cells, but, but I can't. <laughs> I, I, need all, I need all of mine working, Bob. So I don't. And, and the way the doctors describe this problem is it's dose and duration dependent, which means the higher dose of statins you take, the more mental problems you're going to have, cognitive problems, and the more, the longer you take the drug, the more cognitive problems you'll have. So the name of the game is to get that statin as low as possible, as soon as possible, and ideally not take it at all. Now, I have to warn people, though, that if their doctor puts them on statins, it's because the doctor understands they have a problem and they're at risk. And so just not taking the medicine isn't going to solve the problem. It might prevent you from having additional problems, but you do need to do something to solve the problem. And well, th didn't I hear years what I want ago? To talk about wasn't, wasn't there a problem with um, statins and wasn't it just like outright muscle failure? Was that? I thought that that, that was something uh, that was in the news some years back. And and the heart is a muscle, so that, wasn't there something? Uh, Absolutely. It's thought that that's one of the big reasons why the statin drug doesn't reduce death, even though it forces down the measurement. Because, yes, your heart is a muscle. It, it needs to work properly and not be, be sore and disrupted. Mm -hmm. so, so back just for a moment to the, uh, the statin drug and, and why the medical group... Um, uh, recommended that we dramatically increase the prescription of statin drugs, despite all these side effects and the fact that its effectiveness isn't very good. Well, it's because it could save 45,000 lives, and that's a lot. And and if the other 455,000 that were going to die this year had to suffer uh, liver damage and muscle soreness and cognitive problems, maybe that's not that important because they're going to die anyway. But the problem is we don't know which 500,000 Americans are going to die each year. And in order to save 45,000 lives through statins, tens of millions of Americans have to take these drugs. So this is tens of millions of Americans having liver damage, muscle soreness, and cognitive problems in order to save 45,000 lives. Wow. Now, hmm. now even then, I you could argue that... I guess suspicious of a profit motive sometimes, though, with <laughs> pharmaceuticals. You know, I, you know, it's like, wow, I mean, this is amazing. S certainly from the pharma standpoint, their job for their shareholders is to sell as much as possible. And the, the sad thing that the, the doctors are complicit in their, this, but they're not trying to damage their patients. They just don't know of alternatives. And, and this is where you and I can come in and explaining some of the alternatives. The, and that, that's what really 
bothers me about them the pushing the, the drugs that they don't know about uh, what, what can work a lot better. And the, the next study I want to talk about comes from the UK where they did took um, uh, questionnaires of people's eating habits from a large number of people. This is the UK EPIC study. And for, for years, they would ask what people were eating and then see what they died of. And they eventually published a whole range of results. But the, the interesting one for me was having to do with heart disease. They found that uh, the vast majority of uh, Britons eat very much like we do, Western diet, lots of meat and cheese and so on. But a small number of people there, just like here, are vegetarian. Now, vegetarian means no meat. It might The diet very well might include dairy and eggs, but no meat. And when they found, they, they looked at the death rate due to heart disease of these two groups, they found that the vegetarian group was about 35% down in death rate. Sorry, sorry now the, this, the Skype broke up a little there. You said, uh, say it again. The vegetarian group disease about 35% less. Now this is three times than statin drugs at reducing, reducing death due to heart disease. Three times better. If the pharmaceutical industri industry had a drug that was three times better than statins, make billions of dollars. But, uh, you know, who's making money when people just don't eat meat? But, but that's, that's what the study shows. But then there's one more study that I, I, you've already referred to it again, so people know what's coming. But this is a study done by Caldwell Esselstyn, and he did two forms of this. The first one involved 18 patients, and it's written about in the book Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. And uh, when I read the results of that study, I found it astonishing, and I think most of your listeners would too. But... Esselstyn was criticized that this was too small of a group to be meaningful, and which statistically isn't the case at all. But he, in order to uh, respond to that criticism, he got with some other researchers. They raised a bunch of money, and they did a, a, a bigger study that involved 200 patients. So these are 200 people that have heart disease, and they came to the doctor, and the doctor met with each one of them and said, I really want you to eat this particular way, and we'll, we'll talk about what that is in a moment, but the, this ideal diet way, and 90% of the patients said, yeah, if you think this is going to help me, I'm all in. I'm really going to do it. The other 10% said, hmm, that means I have to give up some of my favorite foods. It's not worth it to me. I'm not going to do it. Well, that allowed for a control group for the study. So they tracked both groups of patients, the ones who continued to eat the way they always had and those who changed to this new ideal diet. And eventually they had a year's worth of data and they published. Now in this case, they looked not only at deaths due to heart disease, but also um, uh, heart attacks that didn't result in death, angina, just chest pain, stent emplacements, or bypass surgeries. So they had a tally of five different types of cardiac events that they tallied up and published a per patient average of these five cardiac events for the group that didn't change their diet and those that did. And uh, the, the group that changed their diet, their cardiac event rate per patient is 1% of, of that of the other. In other words, 
of cardiac disease goes away if you just eat properly. Ah, isn't that astonishing? That's amazing. That's uh, that's reversing heart disease <laughs> to an to an amazing extent. You know, I mean, that's shocking. Shocking. So so here's shocking the shocking in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. So here's the corollary of that. The, those who who study logic inversions. If you eat properly, no heart disease happens, essentially. What that means is you reverse that. If you have heart disease, it's because you're not eating properly. Therefore, if you have heart disease, it's your fault. And this was hard for me to accept, but I I had to. It's in the data. My original cardiac arrest was my fault. And but, but you didn't know it, and who and who does, right? I mean, like ninety nine percent of the people, or a hundred percent, wouldn't know that they're doing <laughs> the wrong thing. You know, I mean, you got to have your meat, you got to have your protein. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, we're, you know, it, you know, it does the body good. It's, you know, all all of that, you know, hype and marketing. Um, you know, so it's it's hard to blame yourself for not knowing, but. It, it is your fault, right, though? I mean, when it comes it, right yep. down to it. So, And then parents should take this seriously related to their children, you know, you know and their children's future health. Who's responsible and whose fault? Now, once we know the information, right? I mean, um, right. I- ignorance is bliss and, you know, ignorance is a, <laughs> is a Big Mac. But, you know, now what are we hearing? That, that I mean, that's shocking. 99% reduction of death, that's reversal of heart disease. So I, I can see why Dr. Esselstyn named his book uh, Prevent and uh, Reverse Heart Disease. Um, and I guess it can be prevented too then, apparently, if that, that's in the title. Absolutely. That, that, of course, is the best thing to do is to, to never build up this problem in the first place. Mm-hmm. One of the, the studies I saw uh, where a group had done autopsies on different age people and they came up and they found that if you're eating the standard American diet, almost uh, as soon as that, that happens, usually at anywhere from six months to a year, you know, we get our infants off of their mother's breast milk and start feeding them meat and cheese. And the, that starts the process of this injury and damage and buildup on, the, on their arteries and the rate at which this happens, roughly, it's, it varies depending on exactly how bad the diet is and from person to person a little bit. But in general, you're reducing your blood flow through your arteries by about 1% per year through age 40. And then it accelerates after that. gets worse. So what does this mean? This means by the time our kids are graduating from high school at 18, they have already reduced their blood flow by 18%. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, well, and as I mentioned, Dr. Esselstyn has been on the show, and uh, people can go to goveganradio.com and uh, uh, search for him and hear hear the interviews that we've done with him. I think he also mentioned that there are signs of heart disease shown at ages Five, six, seven, eight—very young. Like that, it's, it starts to show. Absolutely. Well, let's talk just for a little bit about what this diet is that he recommends. And as you well know, it involves no animal products whatsoever. But there are a few plant products that can cause problems as well. 
And, uh, you know, as one of the doctors says, uh, vegan isn't sufficient because, after all, Oreo cookies and Coca-Cola are vegan and, and they're not, we know they're not healthy. So, so what is a really healthy diet? Well, the it's, it's still vegan. It's still vegan. It's just not the, the, the vegan junk food, apparently. Right, right. right. <laughs> but it's, Ve- it still is 100% vegan. It absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's vegan plus or vegan minus. Or, 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 or ve- health, you know, healthy <laughs> vegan food. Healthy right. vegan food. There, you, there you go. Yeah. So the researchers tend to call this diet a low-fat, whole food, plant-based diet. Whole mouthful often gets shortened to just plant-based and, and but conf- and, really and, the whole and, and sometimes i think that could be a little confusing to people i must say but okay i know that that's that's what they call it but i mean if you you look under um the website for forks over knives and you know in the definition of, of plant-based it says uh, does not necessarily exclude animal products and you know so it, it's 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 a little confusing at times, and some I, I don't know what what people hear when they say Whole Foods. Do I have to buy it at Whole Foods, or you, t- <laughs> you, t- you tell me? I, right, right. And then sometimes plants. You know, when I saw uh, T. Colin Campbell on on the Larry King show, and he was talking about you know plant based foods and all, and I'm thinking, does anybody really know what that means, like plant based or does does a plant sound appetizing? I, I don't know. You know, it's it's. Uh, uh, we've got to get past some of the uh, some of the vagaries at times, it seems. But so you're saying, just generally, it's 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 big, long, fancy terminology is basically whole food, plant based. Is that what you're low, saying? Low, low fat. Low fat. So so let's go through that definition. What does that really mean? It means you should be eating vegetables, fruits, whole grains, and legumes. It means you should not be eating any meat or fish. No eggs or dairy. So there's the the vegan part. But in addition, uh, uh, if you really want to avoid heart disease, you want to avoid oils, all vegetable oils, including olive oil. And uh, you really want to avoid processed foods. This is where the whole comes in. In, as in whole food, plant-based. In other words, you could have an olive or two, but by the time you process the olives and squeeze the oil out, not good. Uh, means you can ha- eat as much sugar cane as you like, but you know, squeezing the sugar out of that and, and shoveling huge amounts of it onto your food or into your drinks, not okay. It means uh, Donuts are off the menu, and Twinkies and Ho-Hos and that sort of thing are off the menu because those are not whole foods. Does that make sense? Yes, uh-huh, definitely. Um, I'm going to say guilty to some of those, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm vegan for 36 years. I, I'll have to take a little break on uh, some, <laughs> some, of, some of what I do. But uh, people think that don't necessarily think that oils are unhealthy, right? They think that maybe olive oil is healthy or coconut oil is healthy. Um, I, I know that uh, Dr. Esselstyn is pretty strict about oils and I think maybe nuts and avocados too. Uh, oh, yeah. I was, I was about to get there. Okay. All right. I'll let you get there. <laughs> so the low-fat part means that you really should... Your, your total calories from fat should be less than 10% of your total calories. Some of the research experts suggest that 7% is sort of ideal. 
the standard American diet is 35%. In other words, five times the, the amount of fat that is ideal is, is what the standard American diet. And there's been a, a number of studies that uh, try people out on a, a low-fat diet, which, is, which they define as 30% instead of 35%. And they conclude that, you know, that doesn't help much. Well, yeah, it, you're not going to get the benefit until you really get down into the 10 and 7% range. And, and well, what are the healthy fats? What, what are the sources of those, uh, the low fats, the low well, fats? Right. Well, almost all, whole, almost all whole foods, whole food plants have small amounts of fat in them. And those are the, the fats that you should consume. Uh, anything that has either high fat or uh, is processed to get the fat out so that you can pour it on. Those are the bad things. And as as Essie points out, Esselstyn points out, the the few uh, high-fat whole food plants that are around are nuts and seeds, coconut, and avocados. So you should need to be really cautious with those things if you're overweight or have ever had heart disease, if your blood pressure is high or your blood sugar is high, uh, cholesterol's high over 150. You know any of those things apply. You really need to be cutting out nuts, coconut, and avocado. If you're totally healthy, good weight, good numbers all around, you can have a little bit of those things. But it, uh, as as he says, it's hard to eat a little nuts, right? You you put two or three in your hand and you're going to eat them and you're going to be happy. No, you're going to unscrew I, I that tend jar. To love cashews. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know. I tend to love the cashews, I must say. So uh, uh, don't don't do as I uh, do. Do as we say. Here. Right. <laughs> the the other caution that um, many of the researchers throw out is uh, f- for soy products. Now you know, the whole soybean is seems to be just fine. Tofu is uses the whole soybean. That's fine. Edamame, tempeh, um, soy milk, but a lot of soy products are made by heavily processing the soybean. They break it down chemically. They strip off the carbohydrates and the fats, and they, they're left with concentrated soy protein. And they want that substance because they can weave it and squeeze it and extrude it into things that are a lot like meat. And so you'll, you'll find a lot of vegan meats in the store that are made with soy textured vegetable protein. Not so healthy. Yes, they are healthier than meat, and they contain no cholesterol whatsoever. But they're, uh, you know, a Frankenstein kind of product. They're not a whole plant, so be cautious with soy. The other caution is fruit juice, and I I was surprised by this. I I was at a presentation by Esselstyn, and he was being asked about this, and and somebody from the audience and said, "You're telling me that if I eat a a whole apple or a whole orange, that's healthy. But if I take those and I throw them in the Vitamix and I hit the buttons and uh, blend them up, and it's exactly the same content, but when I drink that, you're telling me that's unhealthy? And as he said, yes. And the reason is you're breaking down all the cell walls. Uh, you know, if you have juice, you've eliminated all the fiber directly and you're just drinking the sugar water. But even if you have the fiber in there, you've broken all the cell walls so the, the sugar water is, uh, is available to you. You drink that down and unlike when you eat a fruit, 
where that uh, sugar goes into your bloodstream over a period of hours, when you drink the juice, it just shoots into your bloodstream, causes your blood sugar to spike, that causes your insulin made by your pancreas to spike to counteract that, and then you, you have a sugar crash, which... Uh, causes you to be hungry soon and uh, while that insulin is high your liver is producing body fat so um, you really want to be cautious with fruit juice it's if you think you're doing yourself and your family a favor by switching from soda to fruit juice it's not that much better so mm. you know so people so cook with fruit juice have a little bit of it now and then but um, you know shouldn't be having Lots and lots of fruit smoothies all day long, and that's all. It's a lot of sugar. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, can can we uh, switch for just a moment to talk about cancer? Um, certainly, let's do that. Sure. Now, I wasn't interested in cancer at first, but the more I got into the research and found the relationship between what we eat and heart disease, I keep finding these studies that have to do with the relationship between what we eat and, uh, and cancer. And, um, of course, Esselstyn's book uh, refers to the China study written by Colin Campbell. Um, that's uh, another great book, another great guy. Uh, you, and, and, and search for him at GoVeganRadio.com and you'll hear many interviews with him. Awesome, awesome. Well, one of the things in his book, he refers to a study that was done in India where they were looking at uh, lab rats and they were injecting aflatoxin into these rats to produce liver cancer and then giving them different diets to see which was best for fighting off this cancer. They gave half of the rats uh, a standard rat diet with about 5% casein, which is the, the main protein in milk, and the other group, they boosted that up to 20%. They found the group that had 5% casein in their diet, 100% of them lived to a normal lifespan, normal coats, normal behaviors. They essentially, their bodies, as all of us do, have, have mechanisms for fighting off cancer. The group that they boosted up to 20% casein, 100% of them died. This, this is astonishing. This, this led Colin Campbell to say casein, the, most, the main protein of cow's milk, is the most relevant chemical carcinogen ever identified. Uh, yeah, I believe that on, on my show he said that the dairy protein is the number one carcinogen to which Americans are exposed. That's it. So does milk do a body good? Well, it does cancer a lot of good. It does a body in. It does <laughs> yeah. a body in. Does. And, <laughs> that, uh, that's a better and, way of putting it. <laughs> and, and it's kind of shameful to see how it's sold to the public, you know, with the milk mustache and all the athletes, you know, all the pretense that it's healthy. And it, it has so much, uh, so much bad going for it, you know, if you consider what's in milk and the... Uh, were you going to continue to talk about dairy at all? Or? <laughs> go, go, I can, but go ahead. Well, it's, I mean, in, in terms of stuff. there's the insulin growth factor that grows baby cows really fast, but grows tumors in people. And then, 
you know, consider that there's uh, often the presence of tuberculosis and leukemia and, and the, the amount of pus cells that are allowed in milk. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's astonishing because all the cows are unhealthy. So it's just, uh, you know, they're, they're all sick cows and people are drinking this uh, cholesterol-ridden food for, for babies of another species. I mean, it, that doesn't make sense at all to be drinking the baby food of another species. And so many people are lactose intolerant and it's natural to be lactose intolerant. They wind up trying to take a pill to get over lactose intolerance when it's not natural to, to be ingesting the, the milk from another species. Exactly right. And the, and the different ways in which drinking milk ravages our body are just... Study after study, you know, there's Crohn's disease, lots of intestinal problems come from consuming milk, skin problems, acne, cancers of all sorts, it just goes on and on. And one of the big ones is type 1 diabetes. Um, they, they've done studies that show that the countries that consume more milk have more type 1 diabetes. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with it? And the, the current model is that the, the milk, which Ideally, proteins in our diet get broken down in the, in the stomach to their constituent amino acids, but that process isn't complete, and uh, various segments of the proteins get through the intestinal walls into our bloodstream, and our bodies make antibodies to attack these foreign proteins, and that's a good thing. You don't want a foreign protein floating around in your bloodstream. The problem is the cells in our pancreas that produce insulin are very similar structurally to the milk proteins. And so these antibodies that attack the milk proteins then start attacking the pancreas. And so after a while, the, the pancreas can't produce enough insulin, and then you've got type 1 diabetes. And, and sadly, this is a problem caused by diet that can't be necessarily reversed through fixing the diet. Once those antibodies are in your system, they're in there for a long time. So that's uh, uh, another sad thing about consuming dairy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, did, did you have more uh, that you wanted to uh, talk about relating to cancer? Or? If you don't mind, I want to move on to diabetes. Please, sure. Let's cover it. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we talked about type 1. Type 2 is really the epidemic, the pandemic that is just, uh, you know, not only in the U.S., but throughout the world. More and more people are having type 2 diabetes. And the, the public has been sold this bill, this bill of goods that it has to do with eating carbohydrates. And that's just not the case. Uh, I think the, the best book on the subject, and there are a number of really good ones, but um, in, in my mind, the, the best one is, one is by Neil Bernard. I, I think he may have also been a guest on your show. Is yes. that right? Yes, yes, indeed. So he has a book called, you know, Neil Bernard's Program for Reversing Diabetes or something like that. And he explains that it's the fat in your muscle cells that interferes with their ability to take in glucose from the blood. So there's supposed to be glucose in the blood, blood sugar. That's the fuel for all of our cells, whether it's muscles or nerves or anything. It is the power supply for all of our, our body is glucose. So there's supposed to be blood sugar in your in your blood and eating carbohydrates, starches are long chains of glucose that get 
uh, digested and broken off one at a time over a long period of hours and goes into our bloodstream to fuel us for hours. That's supposed to happen. But when you've consumed a bunch of fat and, and so your cells uh, can't take in this glucose the way they're supposed to, well, that leaves you fatigued because they're not getting the energy that they want. And the, the blood sugar does go up and up and up, and then it becomes sticky, and it causes all kinds of uh, secondary health problems, cancer and heart disease. But uh, the great news is if you get on this ideal diet, the same one that we've been talking about, the, the type 2 diabetes can be reversed. It's uh, three times more effective than the, the diet prescribed by the American Diabetes Association. Which, which is not, which is not mm-hmm. vegan. <laughs> right. So you, you'd think the ADA would know what was best, but it turns out, this ideal diet is three times better as measured by a hemoglobin A1C. And the amazing thing is that cures usually occur within two to four weeks. Wow. This, is, this, is a, this disease, type 2 diabetes, is progressive. If a person with type 2 diabetes goes to the doctor and the doctor prescribes them a drug, usually it would start with metformin and eventually goes on to insulin shots, and if you're to ask the doctor, will this medication cure my diabetes? The answer is no and hell no. And your diabetes is only going to get worse and your medications are going to ramp up, up over time. And even then you could well end up with limbs that are amputated and blindness and a really painful death. This horrible disease can usually be cured in two to four weeks by switching the diet. It's, wow. That is amazing. Astonishing. Yeah, yeah. In two to four weeks. I mean, that's, you know, I I think people would think it's amazing that it could be reversed, you know, um, at all. And then that it could be in two to four weeks. And uh, it's, you know, I mean, it it just shows how wrong consuming meat, dairy, fish, and eggs can be. If, uh, look at all the problems caused and how... Uh, you know, it, it seems like all, and, and I think that it was uh, T. Colin Campbell on this show who said something to the effect of, uh, I don't know if he said 80 or 90 percent. I think he might have said 90 percent of fatal degenerative disease is caused by, well, he said animal protein and not much of it. So that was uh, uh, what he was uh blaming as as a culprit here so and uh dr barnard people should know that he's the founder of physicians committee for responsible medicine which is pcrm.org which is also uh, a wonderful resource as is your uh website nusai we're talking to john tanner nusai n-u-s-c-i dot org and you have you know, lots of studies there. You, I mean, it's a very complete, comprehensive. I think it's 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 one of the best related to uh, uh, nutrition and health that that I've seen because you you have the studies, you have recipes. I mean, you have uh, very very complete. Well, thank you, Bob. And there's something else I'd like to do for your listeners here, if I may. Uh, our mission is to spread the word as far and as fast as we can. And one of the things. We- we do uh, when we give public talks is we give out coupons that are good for a choice of one free book. Uh, It's one of eight books that we've felt are the best, uh, including the ones we've talked about. 
uh, and a few others. And um, I would like to offer a, a free coupon, good, good for one of these books, to the first 100 listeners that go to the website, newsci.org, N-U-S-C-I.org, go to the Contact Us, and uh, there you'll find uh, a form where you can fill in a, a message to us. And if you just say you, you heard about NewSci through Bob Linden, uh, the first 100, only in the U.S., sorry, but the first uh, 100 U.S. respondents will send them electronically a coupon that they can use to redeem this book, and we'll mail it to them. Do you remember what all the books are? You have them memorized? <laughs> <laughs> um, they uh, include um, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease by uh, Colin Campbell, of, sorry, by Esselstyn, China Study by Colin Campbell, Starch Solution by John McDougall, uh, Neil Bernard's uh, Reversing Diabetes, Mad Cow. Um, uh, wow, Howard Lyman. I'm blanking Howard Lyman. on Howard Lyman. How, how, Thank you. <laughs> do, do you do you know Howard? Oh yeah, yeah, I know Howard uh, for many years. He he was one of the first guests on this on this show back in 2001. So. Awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Good, good old yeah. Howard Lyman. You know, I mean, he's uh, affected a lot of people, and you. When you take a, a rancher like that who goes vegan, uh, it's quite a compelling story. Absolutely. Uh, another uh, book choice is The Plant Advantage. Um, it, that's uh, for somebody who just wants to lose weight. Uh, that's a, a good choice. And our final book choice is Chef Dell's Better Than Vegan. This is uh, written by a chef who, as a vegan, became uh, 400 pounds and then realized that he really needed to cut out the oils and uh, uh, lost 200 pounds after that and put together this uh, cookbook that has recipes with no oils in them. Okay, and Better Than Vegan is still vegan, but the uh, healthier vegan foods, and you're saying uh, eliminating oils, basically, mostly, right? Right. Well, that's... Uh, it still is vegan, right? It still is vegan, right? Better than and, vegan is still vegan because you can't really do better than vegan, but, except right. for vegan, except for, you know, healthy vegan, I guess uh, we might say. So did, did that cover all the books? Did we... It did, and also one of the choices is a, a movie, Forks Over Knives. Uh, that's a, a documentary that has really saved a lot of lives uh, it's also available on Netflix, though, so if your your listeners have Netflix, they can just get that uh, without needing to use our coupon for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another great movie out there is What the Health, for people who want to check that out. We're not giving that away today, but it's a good one to check out. For what the it, it is a great movie, and uh, speaking of great movies, um, the new one, The Game Changers, you've have Fantastic you movie, yes. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, yes. The Game Changers. Definitely highly recommended, and you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, I've been sending the link around to my friends, so it's really quite amazing in terms of uh, improving athletic performance apparently is the same as improving health to whatever degree, right? So, right. So, so that's an amazing offer, John, and we greatly appreciate it. So... Uh, free to the first 100 Go Vegan Radio listeners. 
one of those books or that documentary, uh, just go to newsci.org, N-U-S-C-I.org, um, and under the contact us and just say uh, that you heard about uh, heard about this on on this here show, and that's the first hundred uh, U.S. Uh, listeners, residents. Uh, we're shipping it around the country. So, and then also, John, you were motivated to start Little Green Forks, uh, and your website is littlegreenforks.com. So, tell us about that. Well, as I was start to give talks to people about, you know, what they should be eating, this low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet, and people would say, well, where can I get that food? It's very tough. Where do you get your food, John? And, well, I we hired a chef to prepare this kind of food for my family and my coworkers at, at my technology company, and uh, the sh- the chef uh, said, you know, why don't we provide this to anybody who wants to buy it? And at first I said, no, 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 we're we're a electronic software robotics company. We're not a food company. But, but she kept asking, and the people kept asking. So finally we relented and said, yes, we'll uh, ramp this up and make this food available. We deliver anywhere in Los Angeles and Orange County. Sorry for your your listeners who are outside of that range, but if you do happen to live within Los Angeles and Orange County, California, uh, if you go to www.littlegreenforks.com, you can uh, pull up our menu and see what's available for the next week or two. The, the offerings change every day. Some of my favorites are lasagna. Uh, we have a burger and uh, fries. The fries have no oil. The burger has none of those nasty things that even Impossible and Burger and Beyond Burger have. Um, we we have which are what? What what are your complaints about those? <laughs> they have lots of oil, of course. Um, one of them has this heme product. It comes from soy, but it was a. a a product that they they went to the uh, FDA to try to get approval, and the FDA refused to give them approval, and they went to market with it anyway because they didn't have to get approval. So, um, you I know, think it's so, a g- genetically modified, isn't it? I think that's uh, considered a GMO, that, that heme uh, part of it? I'm not sure I think, I think about that, but it's... It, yeah. Well, if I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think it is, but I'm not, you know, don't don't quote me on that one for sure, <laughs> but I, I think that that was the case. So anywhere in uh, the L.A. area, Orange County area, you can get delivery from Little Green Forks, littlegreenforks.com. So let me let me just go there here a second, and uh, let's see, Asian noodles. Oh, very reasonably priced too. I see here. So we have. Uh, Orders that are ten or twelve dollars Asian noodles. I see the black bean uh, oat burger and fries. No oil in the fries. That's only ten dollars. It says here. Uh, curried chickpeas and rice. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Curry tofu scramble. Uh, garlicky sweet potato slices with kale pesto. Then we have uh, what else? The lasagna that you mentioned. Oatmeal pancakes, very reasonably priced. I have to say, pasta marinara, marinara, a spicy Thai eggplant, sweet potato bowl, uh, tamale pie. Doesn't this all sound great? Oh, tempeh bites with veggies. So, 
I mean, you're talking about all this healthy food, and it's all, I mean, it's all so delicious. Like, it's not like, you know, like, like you're giving a prescription for, for things that, you know, don't taste good. I mean, you're not really sacrificing anything except the health risks here. Verde spinach enchiladas and black bean sweet potato soup, French lentil soup, uh, signature little green soup, uh, split pea soup, and we have salads, barbecue chickpea salad, rainbow quinoa lentil salad. It all sounds great. Southwestern salad, it all looks beautiful. Spinach burger salad, spinach and fruit salad. Uh, here we go. Uh, cinnamon breakfast cookies, rice pudding, side of citrus uh, mint uh, fruit salad, and side of fries, strawberry uh, breakfast cookies, um, sweet potato pumpkin pudding, and that's, uh, that's just $3. I mean, very reasonably priced here, John, too. And I, I want to emphasize that these aren't meal kits. These are ready to eat. Uh, if, if you may want to warm some of them up before you eat them, but uh, yeah, you don't. No, no, not a lot of effort required to to eat this way. Okay, so people yeah. go to the website and order through the website, or can call, or they order through the website, put it in the cart, and then uh, upon checkout, for first time uh, customers, if they put in a Coupon code BOGO NEW, that is B O G O N E W, they will buy one, get one free on their first order. Ooh, very good. Buy one, get one free. It all sounds so delicious. And uh, you have another website, Tanner Care? We do. And we uh, started Tanner Care to help people who. Once they kind of knew what they needed to do, they had troubles making the transition. And there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, people, it, it's hard in a very short period of time to really understand what you should eat and what you should exclude from your diet, how to read nutrition labels. Uh, but beyond that, there's a, a set of challenges that develop that need a strategy for overcoming. For example, you're going to go into a situation where you don't know what food is going to be available. Somebody's birthday party or uh, a friend's uh, potluck. Um, you know, how are you going to deal with that? There's because uh, that food that's going to be put in front of you is going to, is going to look and smell really really good, and you're going to want to eat it. But even though you know it's unhealthy, there are strategies that you can uh, you can take some food with you that you know you know is healthy. You can eat uh, uh, before you go so that you're not so hungry. There's a, a number of ways that you can deal. Any, any, anyway, we, we train people on how to do that. We offer two programs, a 25-hour program and a 75-hour and a program. We've had greater success rate with a 75-hour program, but even the 25-hour hour one, we get a, a lot of people are able to make this transition to, to eating healthy. We sort of modeled this pro program uh, initially after one that was developed by Dean Ornish um, is is you you've heard of Dean, right? Of course, yeah. He talks about reversing um, heart disease too, right? Uh, yes, sense. heart disease and diabetes. Mm -hmm. So he's he's a Northern California doctor that um, has gotten his program for heart disease reversal through these lifestyle things, primarily primarily nutrition, 
uh, he's gotten that approved through Congress for reimbursement. Uh, so that's an amazing thing. And his people, uh, hospitals he's licensed his program to are great. That program, though, gets reimbursement only if you've had a heart attack or had heart uh, issue of some sort. So people who just want to prevent heart disease, it's not available. People who want to prevent diabetes, it's not available uh, through re- reimbursement. So we developed a program that uh, no matter what your goal is, getting rid of diabetes, getting rid of heart disease, just losing weight, uh, we run groups of patients together and they support themselves, support each other. Uh, it's really important to have somebody who's going through this change together because uh, your friends and your family might not be so supportive uh, and uh, you can tell by the length of these programs, 25 and 75 hours, this is why doctors are not really very effective. Uh, even the few who know that instead of giving you medication, they should be getting you to eat differently. How can they get you to eat differently in the 10 minutes they have for the appointment? That's only enough time to scribble out a, a prescription and then out you go. Right. So we spend, we spend much more time. Again, 25 hours or 75 hour program, and each of those run a whole year. We start uh, meeting more often once a week, and and then uh, toward the end it goes to once a month, just as sort of a maintenance mode. Um, but we've had uh, a lot of good success with that. That's Tanner Care Health and Wellness Center. So the the website is TannerCare T A N N E R C A R E dot com. That tells a little bit about, about our programs. Uh, again, for your uh, listeners spread far and wide, sorry, this program is only available in the in the Los Angeles area. But if you if you are in LA, please and need some extra help in making this transition, we'd we'd love to help. Oh, that's great! Yeah. Now, I, I, again, I didn't. I don't know if I understood the, the reimbursement you were talking about with Dr. Ornish. What what was that? So if, if you have uh, had a heart issue, a heart attack that you managed to survive or angina, uh, stent emplacement or uh, bypass surgery, you can uh, and you locate one of Ornish's licensed programs, they can get from Medicare a reimbursement of, I think it's something like $8,000 for a 72-hour Ornish program. And those programs are amazing, and a a very large percentage of the people that go through those programs change their diet for good. Um, But that, that, and the patient does anything. That's the beauty of it. But it took Dean, I think, years of lobbying Congress to get them to agree that, you know, the Medicare should pay for this disease disease reversal program instead of just disease treatment programs. Uh, when we when we put together our program, we would of course reimbursement. And uh, for our smaller program, the 25 hour program, uh, we uh, often can get reimbursement through uh, insurance companies because we're using a program certified by the CDC, the Center for Disease Control for for diabetes reduction. So um, reimbursement is important because most people are not willing to pay for something that will reverse their diseases. And it's it's a little bit bit sad, 
but you know we 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 sort of expect our um, medical premiums that we're already paying to take care of us, and they're just you know the medical establishment in general is not very set up to coach you on what you need to do to cure your own diseases. That's for sure. Uh, seems to be the uh, the power of the lobbyists and the big pharmaceutical companies who make a lot of money destroying people's livers, apparently, we learned today. <laughs> to, <laughs> Sadly. Know, so, well, doctors don't uh, study nutrition very much in medical school at all, right? I mean, it's... Correct. If, if at all. So, um, yeah, so let your food be your medicine. And your medicine be your food, and and I do have to thank you, John. I mean, I do think that this is an amazing resource that you, that you have, uh, the newsci.org, n-u-s-c-i.org, uh, where you do have all of this, uh, all of the studies, and you have uh, information about books and videos and journal articles and eating guidelines and recipes on this very valuable resource that I highly recommend to all our listeners get get all your friends and family just checking out this website it's really you know and then you know the, the motivation you know you look at this and all the categories here and there's that one at the bottom of I almost died and uh, so John is definitely giving back with uh, well I mean it's like the gift that you have now of, of, of being alive and surviving your cardiac arrest which is uh, quite amazing so uh, which allows you to um, continue on and help people oh so so what does your high-tech company do what are you what are you involved <laughs> with <laughs> we do electronics software robotics one of our projects right now that I'm pretty excited about is uh, we're making a four-wheeled autonomous robot that will go in the strawberry fields and transport a 10-pound box of strawberries out of the field from where the picker is picking, the human picker is picking, to the edge of the field. Right now, they have to spend about a third of their time uh, walking, or in many cases, running uh, their box of strawberries out to the edge of the field. That's where most of their injuries happen. And uh, instead, we can make them more efficient and keep picking while we our, our robot basically carries their their box out to the edge of the field and then carries an empty box back so that they can continue picking. Ah. Mm -hmm. Robotics, the way of the future. If, if, if you can get out of the way of them, right? If they're coming at you. <laughs> well, one of the things we've chosen to do, you know, John Deere is trying to automate their harvesters, their combines, tractors, and so on. Those things are huge. If their software should have a bug, so it goes awry, that big machine can kill people. It can go right through a house. We're, our robot is 50 pounds, so each wheel supports about 12 pounds. If, if the wheel rolls over your foot, you're, it won't break any bones. If the whole thing runs into you at top speed, which is only five miles an hour, 
might bump you a little bit, but there's no broken bones. So we're 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 going small and light. That's right. Our, well, I, I feel better about that than than even the the self-driving cars yeah. or you know all of those. It's like when I when I consider how many times my computer crashes, I just I just don't feel like I can <laughs> trust technology uh, or, or or the artificial intelligence. You know, it's like. Uh, once, once I answer some something differently from what the artificial intelligence on on the phone to the DMV says, it gets totally lost, you know. So, <laughs> well, Bob, as somebody deeply uh, embedded in this industry of software, I think I have more insecurity than maybe you do. <laughs> oh. oh, good. <laughs> that that makes me uh, thanks thanks for the confirmation then. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so all these cars will be driving themselves, you know, so I'm afraid to be in one of those cars or I'm afraid to get hit by one of those cars. And I think Amazon has that problem, too, right, with their their robotics or machines running around and running into workers or whatever. So, um, you know, so uh, but technology moves on. So here we are. And, uh, you know. We're, we're totally tuned into it, and, uh, it, you know, I, I depend on my cell phone for everything. The only thing that doesn't work well on the cell phone is the phone, apparently, but everything else seems to be working. So, anyway, John, I uh, really appreciate your being with us here today, and um, I think, uh, you know, performing a very valuable service, I think uh, this will be, you know, eye-opening to uh, many of our listeners here and I I remind them that the first hundred uh, to uh, go to the website newsci.org n-u-s-c-i.org and go to the contact us page and just say you heard about the heard about the website through go vegan radio or Bob or whatever you want to call me um, those first uh, hundred people in the US uh, we'll get one of those uh, fantastic books or the documentary, uh, which would uh, would be great. And then I do encourage everybody to just go and check out that website and learn a lot like we learned from you today, John. I really thank you for being with us. Well, Bob, I sure appreciate being on your show. And what you do is just an awesome service for everyone. And, you know, we're trying to do our little part and hopefully we'll make a uh, hundred new friends through, through some coupons. A hundred new friends. And I think a lot of people will uh, check out uh, littlegreenforks.com. We just talked about the menu here. It all looks delicious. And uh, that's in Southern California. You get delivery, very reasonably priced and uh, terrific. Okay. Well, thank you so much, John Tanner, for being with us today on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linder. Thanks, Bob. GoVeganRadio.com, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. One of these days I'll get into Instagram, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how high tech 
how high tech we go. Um, anyway, so um, that was a super fantastic discussion with John Tanner. And again, do not forget, Instagram isn't really high tech, is it? I, I mean, that was like, it's just a matter of one more thing I have to do, one more thing. And it looks so, uh, I don't know, superficial. It's all photo-oriented. I don't know. Should I do Instagram? Everybody's on Instagram, right? So, okay. Uh, we'll see. It's just like one more thing to do, one more one more place to to look. And I'm all over the place already right now, as it is. I want to remind you that you can get um, that... Uh, free coupon the first hundred listeners of this program who go to newsci.org n-u-s-c-i.org you can get one of the eight books or documentary videos uh offered by john tanner um one of the great uh, health books or videos of the modern era um, I urge you to uh, go to the archives at GoVeganRadio.com. There are over 600 programs there. Um, there's also a donate button, by the way. Uh, we would appreciate your help in our mission to educate the world about animals, human health, and the environment. And our mission to save the world. Um, what, what a humble mission that is, isn't it? What a responsibility. We need money to do that. Could you please make a tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com? And again, there are over 600 archived uh, programs there. The one previous to this show is an interview with Neil Grace, who has a wonderful book out called Fresh Eyes Upon the World, Making Life a Spectacular Journey. And that was a pretty interesting interview also. Um, I don't know if this is a... It's a self-help book, or it's a book that stimulates thinking, and I really enjoyed it. It covers just about all contemporary topics imaginable, and uh, we had a really good talk on, on the program with Neil Grace. You can go to neilgrace.com, N-E-A-L-G-R-A-C-E.com, and order the book there. I see my good friend Will Tuttle liked the book, too. Um... It says on, it's on the back of the book here, it says, Neil Grace's book is an inspiration of powerful insights blended with delicate hues of wisdom. It is a book to keep close, like a loyal friend. Uh, its basic message is great respect for life with hundreds of fascinating facts. Highly recommended by Will Tuttle. Highly recommended by Bob Linden. Thanks to Neil Grace. Thanks to Vegetarian House for its ongoing support of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Vegetarian House, 100% vegan organic restaurant in San Jose, 520 East Santa Clara Street. Most delicious. I uh, def definitely highly recommend it as one of the best vegan restaurants anywhere. And Vegetarian House now caters, too. So if you have a social event, business event coming up, you know, whatever it is, good food makes everything work out great. Even, even if it's the most boring event ever, if you have 
great food from vegetarian house, everybody will go away, go away like loving whatever it was that you did. So the website is vegetarianhouse.us, vegetarianhouse.us. You're getting married, you want the food to be great, have it catered by Vegetarian House, 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. And um, also our thanks to Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food for what it contributes to the world that is giving us uh, nutritious, delicious food for our companion animals. I know Daisy loves her evolution, and evolution is for all stages of dogs' and cats' lives. There is a new organic line, and uh, no chemical preservatives or mold inhibitors, which are carcinogenic. And there are discounts for first-time customers, discounts if you order on the first Tuesday of the month. And uh, the phone number is 651-492-2190. There are also vegan dog and cat treats available. The website is petfoodshop.com petfoodshop.com from evolution vegan dog and cat food this is a family business that's been around for three decades and not one single recall of products now (laughs) look at the history of commercial so-called pet foods out there and uh look at what's in there you know this the slaughterhouse floor scrapings basically and uh, so, so uh, okay, I, I, I won't gross you out right now. But anyway, all I can say is, uh, you know, definitely check out Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food, uh, PetFoodShop.com. I want to thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, help us on our mission here. This is the uh, first vegan show ever. We started it back in 2001, after we were involved with organizing one of L.A.'s first, if not the first, vegan festival, which was World Fest, and we've been involved along the way with all sorts of wonderful events, the World Vegan Summit and Expo and Reggae Vegan Fest, and we really feel like we have to create something to bring attention to the climate solution, the climate crisis solution, so... Um, If you're really serious about climate change, let's get together and uh, work on on saving the world from uh, climate change and the devastation that uh, that it brings. Um, You know, as we talked about Joseph Poor earlier, um, he, he said that the only solution for mass extinction is a population shift to going vegan. Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang, the climate advisors to the World Bank, also saying the only solution for climate change is going vegan, that it would take us to pre-industrial, to, to, to pre-industrial carbon levels. So, um, you know, we're, we're pretty serious about, <laughs> we're pretty serious about saving the world here and saving the animals. And uh, so, what can I tell you? It would be great if you could help us out with a tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com.